Hey, it's Jeff from MCS Magazine, and if you think that knife attacks look like those choreographed blade dances that you see in the movies, you'd be dead wrong. They're fast, they're furious, and they're anything but pretty, and they're also the deadliest armed encounter you could ever face on the street, even more dangerous than a gun. Now, you're going to see why as we dig into this week's podcast episode, as well as discover real-world tactics for defending against a brutal knife attack from someone who's actually lived through them. Let's go ahead and jump right in. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. The knife. Now, there's a good reason people fear it. Knives are everywhere among the criminal element and potentially the deadliest weapon you can encounter in a targeted street attack. In fact, at close range, a knife can even deliver as much or even more traumatic wound than a firearm. And the FBI's stats back this up. In North America, for example, 10% of the police officers attacked with guns die from their wounds, but three times as many die from knife attacks. Now, the knife is absolutely a threat to both law enforcement and civilians alike. So if you find yourself facing a knife, what do you do? How do you survive? Well, that's exactly what we're here to find out right now. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with us today to talk about edged weapons street defense is our special guest, Jermaine Andre. Hello, Jermaine. Welcome to the program. Hey, Jeff, how you doing, man? It is great to be here. Really, really glad to be on the show. Thanks for calling me. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I've been following your stuff uh, on your website, and you've got some great videos over there and everything, and I, um, I'm really looking forward to this. Now, listen, everyone, Jermaine has trained in numerous martial arts since his early childhood, including, but not limited to, Muay Thai kickboxing, Russian sambo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, kung fu, karate, taekwondo, judo, Wrestling, uh, I don't know, everything maybe, maybe short of ninjutsu. I don't know. Maybe he's not a ninja. I don't, everything's, everything else seems to be on the list, but he's a UFC veteran and multiple world champ and US champ, as well as law enforcement instructor certified in such areas as use of force, impact weapons, weapon retention, and weapon disarming, among others. Jermaine has spent over 15 years in the fields of security and executive protection for high-profile clientele and venues, and this experience only adds to his backing of real-world experience in dealing with extreme life-and-death situations. Now, you can learn more about Jermaine and his training at www.attack-back.com. All right, Jermaine, let's let's go ahead and jump right into this because this is a this is a hot topic in in I think any sort of survival situation when you're dealing with a, an attack on the street. And according to the FBI's research on knife attacks, the, the same study that says a knife was three times as likely to be a deadly weapon as a as a gun, the statistics show that the majority of street people carry some kind of an edge weapon, be it legal or not. And that there's a one in three chance that you're going to be attacked and injured if you find yourself facing an attacker who is so armed. What is it exactly that makes the knife so very deadly and so easy to use for, for criminals? 
Well, I would say one of the main things is it's extremely easy to purchase. You know, you can get a knife anywhere. You can go to Walmart and get a knife. You get, you know, and it's, it's, it's nothing that's looked upon with a lot of restrictions to get your hand on. And then they're easy to carry and conceal. You know, um, a lot of knives are legal to carry. So it's not like when you you decide to carry a knife out of the house or a criminal decides to carry a knife. It's not like he's packing a forty five where he knows if he gets seen with that forty five, somebody sees it hanging out, the cops catch him with that forty five, they're going to throw down on him. He's going to jail for 20 years. You know, a knife, eh, even if it's not the legal size, most of the time a cop might let it slide, you know, because they know that just about everybody carries a knife. So I say that's one of the main reasons is that they're easy to get your hands on. You know, uh, the other reason is very quiet to use. You know, it's not like a gun. You know, you shoot somebody, boom, you got this loud pop. You know, you got a bright light. You know, you got all of this evidence that you left lying around. You know, you, you got to get rid of the weapon. So it's when you just, when someone decides to use a gun on someone, there's a lot more repercussion and chances of getting caught. A knife, you know, it's quick, it's quiet. You know, you can do your deed and then run off. You know, you can stash it, get rid of it. It's not, so I think that the fact that it's quiet to use is another reason that makes it, makes it so popular. Um, and of course, one of the main is it, it doesn't take a lot of skill or training to cause, cause harm with a knife. You know, a lot of people are afraid if you want to compare it to a firearm, you know, um, it takes a little bit of muscle to chamber around. You know, you got to be able to keep the gun clean. You have, uh, moving mechanisms on the firearm, you know, just to be able to operate it properly, let alone it is bulky to carry. But a knife, you know, if you, you click it open and you just start swinging and going, going wild with it like a wild animal. So I think it's the fact that it's easy to use. You know, it can cause a lot of, uh, cause a lot, uh, cause a lot of harm without having to be well trained in how to use a knife. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. You know, that according to the FBI's study, people involved in in the knife attacks that were studied as part of the report. They say that they, they seldom even saw the edge weapon that penetrated their bodies. And, and this is because they didn't recognize the warning signs of the pending attack. I mean, you say this a lot, like a lot of people, you don't know that you've been stabbed until sometimes even after the attack itself. And a lot of experts, in fact, claim that you'll never even see the real knife attack coming. But seriously, we're not talking about some mafia hitman packing a stiletto. I mean, I mean, I've never really followed that kind of school of thought, like, the real knife fight is going to be the one that you don't even see coming and they're just going to come up behind you and stab you 20. You know, maybe in the prison yard or, you know, if you're good fellas, maybe. But in a real street attack, I think it's there's a lot more practical approach to it. But that being said, obviously, the sooner that you can identify their inner knife fight, the quicker that you can respond and, and maybe even attack him before he can even get out the knife. So what are some of the signs that someone should look for to tell you if the attacker is armed with an edge weapon. Well, to, to, to elaborate a little bit on what you said about the mafia hitman, that's funny because when I train people, I have different ways of training them. And when I show them things, you know, and I've had some sometimes first, well, what if somebody sneaks up on you? What if, you know, this and that? I said, look, if you got somebody looking for you with a sniper rifle, you know, or like you say, it's an armed ninja looking for you because of something you're involved in, you need a totally different type of training than the regular self-defense training that I'm giving. And that kind of goes along with what you're saying. You know, usually nobody's going to sneak up on you behind you while you're not looking at the dinner table, you know, and, and, cut, and, and cut your throat or something like that. So it's going to be spontaneous. You know, it's what, it's what we're talking about. Like you say, we're not talking about a hitman coming after you. We're saying you got involved in maybe an argument at a club or something or somewhere, and you guys get and the guy gets mad at you, and here comes a knife. Well, I say the, the one of the first things you want to always look for is hands and pockets. You know, um, 
whenever, let's say, you and I get into an altercation, we feel threatened by each other, the first thing we're going to do is pull our hands out of our pocket and be ready to block or to swing. You know, fists start to ball, things like that start to happen, or our palms start to go out to, you know, show submission to, hey, man, look, I don't want to fight. So if you got a guy who's got his hands in his pockets, he's probably got something for you. And that's why he's got his hands in there. He's trying to keep it hid. You know, uh, look for large clothing that may appear to be too big for the weather. You know, you see this guy and it's hot out and he's got a leather jacket on or, you know, a big sweatshirt on, you know, something like that. He's probably got a weapon. He's got something on him. You know, another sign, the second sign you can look for is, is they're trying to hide their hands. You know, if they're, you know, you're talking to them, you're moving closer, they're moving closer to you and they've got their hands down and behind them. They probably got something in those hands that they don't want you to see. And one of the, one of the main things I always try to teach people is read behavior. You know, I say you, you can always tell what somebody's going to do. You know, that's why you learn about imminent assaults is by their behavior, their, their expressions, the, the way that they, that they're responding to the situation. And when you got somebody who, you know, is, is acting real sly and real, real courageous, but smooth at the same time as they're trying to get close to you. Like, let's say if I got a knife out, uh, Jeff and I want to cut you and I want to, first thing I need to do is get close to you. So I don't want you to feel intimidated or threatened. But at the same time, I'm really not nervous because I think I have the edge on you. I know I'm going to get you because I got this weapon and I've got it hid. Maybe my hand's behind my back, but I'm, I'm slowly, slyly moving towards you, maybe saying things that make you drop your guard so I can <laughs> pull that knife out and cut you and catch you off guard. So if you look for those three things, I think that can help you. Hands in pocket, you know, over, you know, large clothing, anybody trying to hide their hands. And, of course, you see something shiny in somebody's hands. That's always, you know, you always got to go into being able to defend yourself. Then that's the first thing I teach bodyguards and bouncers, police officers, everybody. When you get into any kind of interview situation where you're dealing with somebody, immediately check their hands. That's first. So I think those three things could help. Yeah, good point. Okay, we're talking with Jermaine Andre of attack-back.com about how to survive a deadly edge weapon attack. And we have a lot more to get to in our interview, including the controversial topic of will you get cut in a real-life knife fight? Does focusing on the knife or the attacker holding the knife give you a better chance of survivability? And how to safely yet realistically train for a deadly knife fight? All of that and more is coming right up, but first, check out this special message. Imagine staring up at a six foot nine, three hundred fifty pound biker dude, rage in his eyes, ready to cram a beer bottle down your throat as payback for bumping into him. Would you know exactly what to do? Without cowering in fear, without begging for mercy, without getting stomped to the floor and beaten while your family watches in horror? You will now with this simple three-step plan. One, don't take your family to biker bars. That's really kind of stupid. Isn't it? Two, harden your mind with bulletproof warrior confidence. And three, master your own secret bag of shockingly powerful fight tricks. Waiting for you and your free DVD you can claim now at DefeatLargerAttackers.com. In a real fight, you don't have the option of losing. Not when your life or the safety of your family hiding behind you is on the line. You need to know exactly what to do in those first few seconds of an attack and end it quickly and walk away with your life, your loved ones, and your pride intact. In this free DVD, you'll discover the street fighting secrets for how to knock a bigger, stronger man head first into the pavement with brutal, 
unstoppable power and speed regardless of your size, strength, or even if you've never been in a fight before in your life. Claim your free DVD now while this offer is still available at www.defeatlargerattackers.com and unleash your true potential to kick ass. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back with Jermaine Andre of attack-back.com to discuss tactics for surviving a real knife attack on the street. Now, we have a lot more to get to, so let's jump right back in our interview now. But Jermaine, a lot of what people think of as knife fighting is a result of the back-and-forth choreographed sequences that they might see on television and in the movies. Now, you can dance around all you like, but eventually it seems like you're going to get stuck if you try, like, the West Side Story approach. <laughs> When you're unarmed and the fight is on, what's the best way to avoid getting cut? Or is it like some people say, like, just expect you're going to get cut? And if so, what do you, what do, you do about that? Well, I would definitely say if, if anyone who has told you to expect to get cut, the reason they say that is probably because they have been in a knife fight. Uh, I've been in several knife fights, uh, many of them. You know, I've been in places where knives were the only thing readily accessible and they got used a lot. And the, you, you're always expecting to get cut. And what you want to do is not get cut in a vital spot because one thing you learn from being in knife fights is usually when you get cut, you won't feel it because knives are usually so razor sharp. They just they go through and you never know until after everything's over. Then, you you know, you're checking to see where you cut it if anything's bad. So you try to cover, cover, cover your vital areas while you're making your attack at the person to defend yourself or to, you know, stop the action of what they're trying to do to you. So I would always say expect to get cut, just like if you get in a street fight, you know, or you got two boxers and two boxers go into a ring, and one boxer could care less what happens to him, but the other one doesn't want a black eye because he's got to go to work tomorrow, and he's got an important business meeting where he's trying to, you know, get this deal in. So, I mean, who's going to win? The one who could care less what's going to happen to him, of course, because he can attack more freely and aggressively. So you can't be afraid to be cut. I say definitely expect to be cut and make sure you don't get cut in a bad area. You know, protect your eyes, your throat, you know, your inner thighs, of course, your abdomen area, heart area, and all those areas and inside of your wrist to make sure you don't get cut there. Um, when it comes to a knife fight and somebody's coming at you and you're unarmed with a knife or even if you are, are armed, the first thing is, you know, movement and with footwork and the whisking of the head and the body. You know, whisk is where... What we do, what I would always do is I would present what I call a false head. You know, I get on my toes, I check what's behind me, you know, make sure I got room to move backwards. If there was a wall behind me, I would move towards my, my attacker, you know, and then me moving towards him, most of the time they might swing that knife, but they're going to step back because I need room to retreat in case my movement with my head or my blocking fails me. So what I'm wanting to do is have room to move my footwork, get away from them, uh, and I stick out what's called a false head. I lean that head in, kind of like you see boxers and fighters. We do it also. So the person will swing, and we can, we got all this range to move our upper torso to move our face back. But it gives them a target. You know, you stick your face out of somebody, they're going to want to try and hit it. At least you know where that knife is going, then you can operate your counter off of that. And that's the same thing with the body, you know, being able to make sure you got room. But when they swing that knife at you, you can jump and move that body back. But um, that's, that's always the first thing is moving immediately. Boom, get on those toes. It's like basketball, man. I'm moving, moving, moving. Don't don't be a sitting duck. You know, uh, after that, definitely deflect that blade. You know, you got a purse, briefcase, a, a backpack, a gym bag, a jacket, a shirt, a hat, a bandana. That's something I teach. Uh, I used to deal with a lot of the uh, guardian angels, and they didn't carry weapons. You know, really, really good guys. I mean, they're just some of the best guys you can meet in the world. And they'd go out there on the streets, and they would – do everything they could to defend and protect, but they didn't carry any weapons. So 
hey, I tell them carry a bandana. And somebody pull a knife, you flick them in the face with that bandana. Nobody likes anything in their face. You pop their eyeball. Then you can make an attack, <clears throat> try and get a hold, get control of that knife. You know, uh, being able to kick is also a blessing. That gives you a long distance. You know, you got distance where you can reach with that foot and stick that leg out there. And, you know, you can also use the bottom of your shoe to deflect that blade. And you definitely, as you were saying, I know you asked, I said a lot of people ask, you know, what are you trying to do? You want to use your peripheral vision. Just like I teach people when it's fight time, you don't want to, you know, have um, where you're looking at the knife or looking at a fist because you'll get hypnotized. The hand is quicker than the eye. So you pick a focal point, which always teaching you know, on my fighters, you pick the focal point is the chest area. And your peripheral vision will pick up everything else. Because just because I got a knife in my hand don't mean that's the only thing you got to watch out for. You can get punched. You can get kicked in the groin. You know, then you're really in trouble because now your movement's shut down and they can cut and do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Or there could even be uh, other attackers that come in from the side. And then you're right. in a, a world of hurt, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's – um. so so we're in the we're in the fight now, and a lot of knife-fighting instructors talk about defanging the snake. It's a common term that, that we use for, like – the techniques for basically disarming the knife-wielding attacker. Now, there are a lot of instructors out there who say that this is impossible and that attempting to defang the snake is only going to get you killed in a real-life encounter. What's the reality here? Is is disarming your attacker, uh, their knife, a viable option? And if so, what's the best way to do that? And if it isn't, then what's the best, a better response um, to to end the knife attack? Well, I will tell you this. You know, most of the fancy knife sighting techniques you see definitely in movies, you know, and sometimes in martial arts schools, that's, uh, they work because you're not using a, you know, a real knife. Like I said, in my experience, I learned that movement, you know, deflecting with an item and actually trying to find something, you know, to hit the knife wielder with. There's usually something in the area, something in the room, you know, a phone, a lamp, or, you know, if you're, especially if you're at your house, a remote control, a book, you know, if you're on the street, so you're at a, um, a bar, a plate, you know, a fork. A, a, a beer bottle, anything that you can use to throw them off, you know, but a lot of those fancy moves, you know, I played around with and worked with them and they won't, they won't, they won't really work if somebody's attacking with a sharp knife. Cause one of the things is those moves work. One, well, number one, like you said, when it's choreographed in a movie or in the safety of a training room with a fake knife where the person really isn't attacking and the person who he's attacking knows what he's about to do. You know, like I can say, hey, Jeff, here, take this rubber knife. This is what I want you to do. Come to me like this. And I'll do so many fans, so much fancy stuff on you. I'll have you in the armbar and the key lock and everything else on the ground, and everybody be cheering, you know, paying $100 for the workshop so they can learn how to do that. But that's not realistic. When a person comes at you with a knife who's not kidding around, it is not a joke. It is fast. It is like a, a tiger coming at you with a claw. And that's what I say. If you can imagine a bobcat swinging at you, with anger to rip your guts out and he's got a razor sharp claw and you think you're going to catch that hand and do all these fancy moves, it's not going to work like that. So, you know, of course, they're moving around, but you can't predict, you know, what's going to happen in a fight. So that's not saying that you can't get lucky in one of those types of techniques Techniques work. Uh, the, the techniques that I found to work best are usually simple and easy stuff. Of course, like I said, moving deflection, you know, things like that. But we do have a, a technique, a technique that I have that's called uh, Oh Shit. And the reason we name it that is because I want you to think, oh, shit, he's got a knife. And it's actually just making a V with your hand along with your moving. If you get that chance to catch that wrist, you got both your hands on that wrist and you can control that arm. And then you got some basic simple moves that, you know, pretty much anybody can do where you can try and disarm that knife. 
And of course, you always want to, that's the main thing, you know, you're trying to get control of that blade, you know, um, if someone, somebody's attacking you, if you pull a knife out, I want to try to get control of that blade, but that doesn't mean I can't stick my finger in your eye. That doesn't mean I can't kick you in the groin. That doesn't mean I can't smash your knee. So even while I'm watching for that blade and trying to protect myself from being cut in the wrong spot, at the same time, I'm making my attacks because, you know, like I say, when you've got that knife, usually the person with the knife, unless they're specially trained, you know, and usually people who are specially trained, I would say this, don't run around getting into street fights. You know, they've got discipline and self-control. So it's usually some thug or somebody who's not very well trained. But when they got that knife, they're expecting you to be afraid. They're expecting you not to fight back. They're expecting you to run and that they're just going to get to cut and do what they want. So when you stick your head out, give him a false head, and he swings that knife with all these guys, you move that head back and then, boom, kick him in his groin and, pow, stick your thumb in his eye. Now, oh, my God, he, he didn't even expect that. So I think it, the fact that he's got that knife can open it up and make that he's underestimating, you know, his target can make it easy for you to attack with other weapons while you're making sure you don't get cut in the wrong spot with that knife. Hmm. So then let's talk about how to train for this type of thing. Because, I mean, like you said, a lot of the different fancy techniques out there take a lot of practice. They, you know, they're very complicated. And we talk about how in a real fight, you know, when the adrenaline's pumping, you're not going to have those those fancy moves at your at your um at your disposal. I mean you're gonna have only real gross motor movements. So how do you train realistically for knife fighting? What are some possible drills that we could do with or without training partners um so that we can be better prepared to defend against the knife? Well the first thing you definitely want to think of, Jeff, is you want to consider what's gonna be most effective. You know, uh, like you'll see um if you look at our website attack back it says preparedness, awareness, defend. You always have to operate in that manner. Try to. You know, a lot of times people leave things where it's just defend. You know, they had no awareness and they didn't prepare. So as we all know, just like people who listen to this podcast, you know anybody can carry a knife. You know, I have a video I made where I'm using a knife. I'm doing some fancy stuff. And it's a real blade. And I'm, I'm sticking in this dummy and, you know, doing all these tricks. And, you know, the, it starts out pretty intense. And I talk about knives. You know, everybody, they're everywhere. And you see me doing all this and I'm cutting stuff. So it's kind of vicious looking. One of the main things I do is I put on their Boy Scouts carry, Boy Scouts carrier, you know, to let you. So people say, you know what, he's right. Boy Scouts do carry knives, so everybody's got a knife. So you should have a defense for knife fighting. So the thing is, like I say, the best defense to start off with is, is deflection. It's just like when I train people in martial arts. The first thing I'm gonna teach you is how if somebody's throwing a punch and it's coming to break your nose, and you don't have time to move, or you're not good enough to move, you're gonna put something in between that. So he hits that instead of hitting your nose. So you're going to bring your forearms up. You're going to use a certain block that's, that's going to, your forearms going to absorb it. So if you've got a purse, if you've got a backpack, that's what, how I train everybody here. You know, what do you carry? You know, you're at school, you know, and I train them how to get that backpack off real fast. Never have it on so tight that you can't get, can't get it off. You know, you got a purse, make sure it's a good strong purse that can take a knife blade. You know, um, if you got a hat, you know, you can use your hat to deflect the blade. So, Deflection starts, you know, get somebody with a rubber knife, put some goggles, safety goggles on so you don't actually get poked in the eye. Don't use a wooden knife. Don't use a plastic knife. Use a rubber one that'll fold if you get accidentally touched and just stand there and just do drills and have that person stab straight at you. You know, like if I say, okay, Jeff, uh, you, you travel a lot. You know, you're a businessman. Somebody might be watching you and want to rob you. You know, they see you in a nice suit with a briefcase. You're, you're in New York. They're going to come after you. First of all, let's make sure your briefcase is tough enough 
to battle a knife. You know, let's put some a sheet of metal in there. If not, let's make sure it's good leather. Let's make sure you got a lot of, you know, paperwork in there that'll stop that blade. And I'm going to say, okay, Jeff, come on down here. We're going to run the clock for a couple minutes and I'm going to take that rubber knife and I'm going to say, okay, we're going to, I'm going to jab at your first jab, jab, jab at your stomach. You're just going to deflect, deflect, jab at your face, deflect, deflect. You know, we're just going to work there. Then I'm saying, now I'm going to cut and you're going to move your fingers to a certain position on that briefcase so your fingers don't get cut. And I'm going to slash, slash, slash. You're going to block, block, block. Then we do the same thing. I'm going to say, okay, now I'm going to slash at your face, and I want you to just move your head back, whisk the head back every time I come. And when you get people feeling comfortable making those movements, then before you know it, you know, you can take up after one session, I can take that knife and come at you and stab, jab, cut, and you'll move, 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 and everybody will look and say, oh, my goodness, how do you do that? You know, it stores in that subconscious. So that's a, that's a good way to, to work on it, always being safe. You know, put a T-shirt on, a white T-shirt, um, get, get a red marker, to your trainer and have them try and get you with that red marker. And every time he gets you, it's 20 push-ups or something like that. So it, it keeps the intensity up. So those, those are some good ways to train. But I would say, first of all, definitely make being prepared that if I get attacked with a knife, what do I want to have to defend myself? You know, if you're somebody and you're out running, you're a runner, then you need no kicks. you got strong legs. And your bottom of your shoe is made out of rubber. You know, you may even want to take a shoe off. If you're not a runner, let's say you're a boxer, but you go running and you don't have kicks. But you need to have where you can maybe get your shoe off and put it on your hand. Now you can deflect that blade with your hand. So thinking of tricks like that and practice that which you plan on using. If you're going to use that on the street, practice getting that shoe off real fast, put it on your hand, rubber knife, your friend's coming at you, making slow attacks at first, and then you're just building up, building up until you get to where you're going faster and faster. You know, Jermaine, you know, when we talk about, you know, knife defense, obviously it's always better to have you know, if you have a knife, then it levels the playing field. Now, we're big into concealed carry, so obviously, if they've got a knife and you've got a gun, obviously that's a that's a great uh, that's a really great opportunity. But um, I'm a big fan of carrying knives anyway, both for personal protection as well as just for everyday survival carry. So, you know, what are some of the considerations to to look at if you do have a a knife and you're able to and you're carrying it for personal defense for a knife fight? You need to carry a knife, number one, that's comfortable and realistic for your current situation. So when you go to buy a knife, you got to hold it. You got to make sure it's got a good grip on it. It's slippery. Don't just get the one that looks cool. You know, if you got some big, giant combat knife, are you really going to be carrying that? You know, this is modern society. If I get into a fight where a knife is involved, it's probably not going to be on a battlefield against another Marine Corps guy or a Navy guy, you know what I'm saying, or against a, a soldier. It's probably going to be out here on the streets against somebody who, you know, we got, we, he cut me off and he attacked me through the car window or we were at a nightclub or stuff. Or I was walking, you know, from the baseball game and he jumped out and tried to rob me. So I want a knife that I can carry all the time with me. And then when I pull it out, one of the main things I do when I train people is I'll wet their hands because by the time you get that knife out, your adrenaline is going, you're going to have sweaty palms, your hands are going to be wet. How does that knife feel wet? And then if you do cut them, now you got blood all over your hand. Now you got a real wet hand. Can you control that blade? So you, you have to have a knife that's, that's comfortable and it's realistic for your current situation. You know, and that's one of the things people do. They go out and pick the biggest, weirdest, craziest knife they can. So get something like that. Uh, you, you definitely want to practice drawing. That's one of the main things. Where are you going to carry that if you got to get to it? When we get into situations, let's say, you know, you and I walk down the street and four guys jump out with bats and everything, and we get ready to go for our knives. So the first thing we're doing is we're focused. They got 100% of our attention, you know, so we need to have a subconscious drawing method where that knife is always in that exact same spot. And I, and I speak from experience with this because I had one time we were in a security situation, and I had been watching all these videos 
on uh, extended baton, you know, and all these fancy moves. And one of the things I learned about was called cross-drawing, where you put the uh, baton on, on the opposite hip. And so I said, yeah, I want to try that. You know, I said, you know I've been had it over and sip over here. I think this is going to be cool. Everybody can see me cross-draw doing a situation. We got into a situation, had a ride at a concert. You know, we're running around. I'm restraining people. We're, we're throwing people down, pepper spraying people, just going. The whole time I'm looking for my baton, I could not find it, could not find it. And I finally, at the end of the night, I, I got with everybody. You know, we had everything in common. I said, man, anybody see my baton? I can't find it. And one of my, one of my workers looked and said, sir, it's, it's right there. And I'm like, where? And I looked down, and it was on my right hip where I normally have it, but the whole time through that situation, because of the way my attention was taken, I, I had to, I, mean, I tried to do something weird and fancy, my mind did not even know where it was at. It never even thought that I was going to try this new cross draw. So it's got to be something that you're, you know, that's constant, that you're used to, and you practice doing it all the time. And I definitely say, you know, use a real knife. Whatever knife you're planning to carry, set some cardboard up, you know, carefully, you know, be safe with it. Practice drawing and cutting that cardboard and moving, you know, moving around, swinging that knife, you know, using that live blade. Um, if you got friends, you know, buddies, uh, something you can do is throw on white T-shirts, white shorts, and get some permanent markers, you know, red or black. You know, you get red, he gets black, and then go to work. You know, whoever gets the most cuts, you can say, okay, whoever gets the most cuts or whoever gets cut first. You know, that's the other guy's the winner. And one of the things you have to always do is, uh, this is something I used to do with my Muay Thai students, what I would say. All right, uh, somebody come up and play paper, rock, scissors with me. And they play paper, rock, scissors. We play, you know, lose, win, win. We laugh. It's funny. And then I say, okay, whoever loses gets a leg kick. And then, okay, so now I think it's a little bit more serious. And they throw the first one, and they lose, and blah, blast them. You know, not to injure them, but where it hurts. And then I say, okay, let's go. And now they would hesitate. And now they would start thinking. And we one, two, three, four, and then they lose again. I boom, kick him again, you know. And now, right, let's go. And you just see them really concentrate. Now they're trying to fix. So you have to have something at risk to make things more serious. Because if, let's say, you and I just pull out the markers, now we're just finger pain. Come on, Jeff, let's do it. Ah, oh, I got you, got you, got you. But I say, okay, Jeff, the first person to get cut, you got this, got to buy a steak dinner for the other person's whole family. You know, the first person that gets cut has got a five-mile run tomorrow, and you got to buy beer for the other guy while his sister watches you laugh. So now that's making it more serious because you got something at risk if you get touched, just like in a real knife fight. You know, it's going to be serious. It's not going to be rubber knives. It's not going to be, oh, I got you, buddy. It's going to be so you want to try and bring the emotion as close to that as you can if you're going to, you know, uh, Try to you know work with a friend when you're trying to do something, and always you know always wear safety goggles too. That's really important. You know, even though you know training, the closer you come to being dangerous, the 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 closer or the more dangerous it is, the closer you come to reality. You still want to be safe. You don't want to lose an eyeball. You know, over a training exercise or if somebody gets seriously injured. You know, and then something else you can use too, if you really want to get extreme, is low low setting tasers. You know, that could be your knife. You know, where when you get hit, it's going to, you know, you're going to get a buzz and that buzz, you're not going to like it. You're not going to want it to happen again. So you're going to shut down all that fancy stuff. You're going to think, be thinking, man, what really is going to work where I'm not going to get hit and I can hit him before he hits me. So those are those couple ideas what you can do. Yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, Jermaine, awesome information, man. Really, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in there for people. And obviously a lot that, you know, I think even just to change the way they're training. If you're not training for this sort of a thing, it's a, it's a, you know, obviously it's something. If you look at all the stats and what the reality is of, of on the street, this is something that you, you need to train for. You need to train for this eventuality. So right. there's a lot of good stuff in there. Look, everyone, you, you have to understand that when you're attacked in the street, it's almost going to be an absolute certainty that your attacker is going to be armed with some type of a weapon. So even if you're armed, 
you're likely going to get ambushed and you're going to need to master some very powerful strategies for hand-to-hand combat as well as hand-to-weapon combat if you're ever going to survive. And Jermaine has a ton of information over on his website and a lot of great videos. He's been, he's been doing a lot of video work, so definitely check it out. There's a lot of stuff going on over at his school over there. And you can learn some real, real techniques there that I know you're going to love. So definitely make it a point to head over to his website, check out his training at www.attack-back.com. And until our next Modern Combat Survival Broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Jeff, for having me on. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Awesome. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash modern combat and survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.